Welcome back to the Peaceful Body Podcast. My name is Inez Bai. I am your host, joining you every single week as well as a health and mindset coach. And today is going to be a solo episode all around avoiding the truth, being scared of the truth and avoiding conflict and feeling scared of conflict. I hear women every single day telling me how they're scared to ask for their needs. They're scared of having fights. They're scared of any sort of conflict because because of many reasons, which I'm going to discuss in this podcast episode today. And this podcast episode, I'm also recording it on Instagram Live. So if you join me on Instagram Live, hello. This podcast episode is also in celebration of my brand new program that I'm organized, that I'm launching at the moment called Empowered Peace. And it is a group mindset program to help you reconnect with your intuition, to feel really empowered and on purpose with knowing exactly what you're going to do with your life. It's for the busy woman that feels like she has so many things to do, but is bogged down by stress and anxiety and just really wants to know exactly what to do and to be respected. So we already have some people signed up to that. And if you're interested in this program and what I'm about to talk about in this podcast resonates with you, send me an Instagram DM and I can tell you about the details. I can let you know um, what's involved. So just send me a DM on Instagram saying interested and I'll be posting more information. It's in super early bird at the moment. So let's talk about this idea of being scared of the truth. I believe that most of us are scared of the truth for two to three main reasons. Number one, we're scared of the truth because we're scared of judgment. We're worried that if we bring things up to a certain person or we ask for our needs or we tell people how we're really feeling, we're worried about how they're going to perceive us. We're worried if they're going to judge us differently or maybe we're judging ourselves as well for feeling certain things or wanting to ask for certain things. So that's one of the reasons why we might be scared of conflict, the truth, confrontation, it's all kind of the same, right? We avoid confronting things, asking for our needs. We avoid conflict because we're scared of finding out what might actually happen. And I'm going to break down in this podcast episode, some tools to handle with tools to handle this fear as well. So number one, we fear judgment. Number two, um, we feel like we won't know what to do when we're in that conflict or confrontation. And a lot of the time we automatically jump to assuming the worst possible um, conclusion is going to come out of the conflict or the the confrontation. So, for example, if you feel like, oh, I I have to bring something up, I've got to ask my boss something, I've got to tell my partner something, we might feel like, oh, they're going to say something bad to me or I'm not going to know what the right thing to say is or something negative is going to come from that situation. So we feel worried because we don't know how to handle it. And we aren't taught really how to have these productive discussions with people around us, especially as women, which is why I'm so excited about this new program that I'm launching. We're really taught to be submissive. We're taught to not make too much of a fuss and we're taught to kind of fly under the radar. So that's why we don't feel like we have the tools to communicate effectively to stand in our power and ask for what we need as well. Um, And then the last reason as to why we are scared of confrontation and conflict is because we're scared of rejection. We're worried that if we bring something up with someone or we ask for something that we need, we might get rejected. And because a lot of us also don't have the tools to deal with rejection and the way that we perceive rejection is something really, really negative, which isn't necessarily the truth. Like rejection doesn't necessarily have to mean something negative about you. It doesn't have to mean that you're a failure. It doesn't have to mean any of those things. But a lot of us have 
been conditioned for a really long time to assume that rejection means something negative about us. So being scared of confrontation and conflict comes down to three main fears, judgment from other people and of ourselves, potentially being rejected, and then not knowing how to handle it. So at the end of the day, it isn't really the conflict that we're scared of. Maybe we don't like being in arguments with people or maybe we don't like speaking our needs because it feels like the limelight is on us. And, you know, that's a whole other topic in itself of allowing yourself to actually be seen. Like what I was saying before, women have been so taught to be submissive. So that's why we feel like, well, if I don't speak up about my needs or I don't get any in any discussions or any in any heated arguments, then I don't have to be seen because that feels weirdly embarrassing. But you are allowed to be seen and the needs that you have are worthy of being met and worthy of being discussed. And it's okay to need to ask for what you need over and over again and to communicate them over and over again, rather than just feeling like, oh, I'm trying to say it one time and it didn't work and that must mean something bad about me. We really need to learn how to take the personal element out of conflict and confrontation so that we can actually get down to what the important thing is. What is it the need that you actually have? So in order to change our narrative around confrontation and conflict so that we can use it to our advantage, we firstly need to think about the first time that you can ever remember any sort of argument or any sort of conflict that we may have had. So try and take yourself back to your childhood or maybe sometime in your adolescent. Don't overthink it too much. Just try to think about the first time you were ever in an argument or maybe you observed an argument with your friends or family or anything like that. And think about how you felt in that moment, because obviously, as most of us know, all of our assumptions and our beliefs and our habits stem from our childhood. So these experiences that we had when we were younger around conflict and confrontation and speaking our needs are obviously hugely going to shape the way that we show up in conflict and in relationships and ask for our needs now. Right. So think about the first time that you can remember any sort of conflict or argument when you were little. So one example might be, and if this is resonating and you're watching, comment down below or give me some love hearts so that I can get some feedback from you as well. But for example, maybe you had a parent that was really loud and like kind of yelled at you every time you did something that was maybe wrong or wasn't in, a, in alignment with what they wanted or whatever. So therefore, you may have learned as a child that a coping mechanism for you to feel safe and to get that parent's love was to be really fly under the radar and not make a fuss of anything. You just were like, okay, well, I have learned and we don't do this very consciously, right? We're children. So we're just kind of trying to protect protect ourselves and do the best that we can in the moment. But as a child, because you felt worried about your parent yelling at you and therefore feeling unloved, which would therefore in our juvenile minds be like, oh my God, they're going to reject us and send us out to the streets, right? It's a survival mechanism for us to want to be loved by our parents because they give us food and shelter and love and support. ETC. So in order to make yourself feel safe in that moment, you may have learned this coping mechanism to never say when something was done wrong, or you were always just quiet and put your head down and did whatever you were meant to do because you didn't want to be screamed at a very fair response and a good coping mechanism when you're a child as well. It would have worked for you as a child. However, when we don't look at these childhood patterns that we've formed and we allow these habits to seep into our lives as adults, 
they can become expired programs or basically their ways of approaching situations and communicating and just living in our life that we've outgrown, right? Because now you're an adult, which means that you don't need to rely on getting every single person's love in order to have shelter, in order to feel safe, in order to live. You can actually create that for yourself. But Often we're still running on these old childhood programs, which are really self-limiting. So because you feel like every time you bring something up or you talk to someone or, you know, you might say something that goes against what that person is saying that you might get yelled at. Now, as an adult, you decide to just kind of fly under the radar, right? You don't talk about your needs. And this might come up in a situation with your boss, for example, you're at work and maybe they underpay you, or maybe they schedule you on for a shift when you have actually already asked for a different shift. And if you act in your old programming, the one that tells you to hide and to be small and to fly under the radar, you'll not make a big deal of it. And you'll be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. And all of those things are not you just being easygoing and you just accepting things the way that they are. They're actually you using a coping mechanism to pretend not to care so that you don't make a fuss because we're scared of someone's anger. We're scared of the response that they're going to get. And we have conditioned ourselves to believe that that anger means something about us. So what we need to do is retrain our brain into a new pattern of thinking, a new way of approaching conflict and whatever it might be. So We have to remind ourselves that someone else's emotions are not our responsibility. So if you communicate a need, if you bring up something and you confront someone about, for example, your boss having given you the wrong shift, if you bring it up and that person's response is to direct anger at you, it is not your responsibility to manage that anger. And it also doesn't mean anything about you if that person is getting angry at you. That is a reflection of that person's thoughts and habits and beliefs, and it is not a reflection of the person that you are. And at the same time, everyone has a right to their own emotions. So if your boss does get angry or, you know, you communicate something to your partner and they do get angry and maybe they yell, try not to take it on as your own. And we get really good at being sponges and just assuming that everyone else's shit is our responsibility to deal with when it's actually not. And this is practicing our personal power and staying in our lane and not allowing external influences to always mean something about us. Um, but everyone still has a right to their own emotions. So if some, you know, and, and we have to allow people to do that whilst also allowing ourselves to not be responsible for that. So chopping it up. But it's important that we bring up the way that we're feeling because otherwise we are constantly people pleasing and we'll be living our lives according to what other people are doing and constantly denying our our needs, our rights, our um, way to thrive, which means that we'll just be surviving and flying under the radar rather than thriving. And if you're not listening to your intuition and you're not able to communicate your needs in smaller situations, like just saying to your boss, hey, I need to leave now because that's the time that we agreed, then think about all of the other opportunities you're probably missing out on because you're not putting yourself out there and because you're allowing other people's responses, emotions, habits, and actions to mean something about you. So yeah, so often people, and this is actually how I used to act at work when I worked as a personal trainer, I would just say yes to whatever my clients wanted because I didn't want to, um, 
I didn't want to like rock the boat. I didn't want to like make them feel guilty. I didn't want to make them feel annoyed that I wanted to change things or to have my own schedule. But at the end of the day, all that led to me was being really burnt out, was not being able to work in a way that felt good for me. And if I don't feel good, then I'm not going to be able to serve other people to the best of my ability. So the, and when we approach confrontation and confrontation doesn't always mean it's going to be this hectic argument or this really big discussion but I know that for a lot of us we're really not used to at all having any sort of like speaking our needs right and the biggest thing that I'll say is that if we don't ask the answer will always be no whatever that might be if you want to get a pay rise if you want someone to go on a date with you if you want extra chocolate on your ice cream, whatever it might be. If we don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. And we have to we have to remind ourselves that the answer isn't always going to be no, even if we do ask, because so often we bring things up with people when we finally have the courage to bring things up with people. And we assume that things are going to go in the worst way possible based off one experience that we had in our childhood. However, it's about being open that there are other ways that people can respond to you. It's about not being attached to that person's response and knowing that when you ask someone, they have the right to say yes or no. And it doesn't mean anything about you. And it's always an opportunity for you to remind yourself, okay, I'm coming back into my power. My needs are as valid as anyone else. Just because this person can't meet them, whether it be in a work situation, a romantic situation or family situation, doesn't mean that they suddenly become invalid. It just means that I either need to find a new way, a different solution, or perhaps even go to someone else to see if I can get my needs met. The energy you have around asking for your needs is so, so important. If we come into any sort of confrontation or speaking our needs with this energy of like, it has to go this way and this person needs to respond to me in this way. And if they don't, then it means something really bad about me and feeling this really like rushed, lack scarcity energy around it. That person's going to feel that. And that's not a, a nice energy to be around, right? You know, within yourself that if someone feels really clingy and you feel like they're being really demanding, What do you want to do? What's your gut instinct? It's not to be like, oh my God, I better go act to them as soon as possible. There's almost this like repelling energy of feeling really like, oh, this person is asking a lot from me. So instead come back into your power and show up in a way that, um, in an energy that's like, I respect myself and these are my needs. And I'm not expecting so much from you. I'm not expecting you to say yes or no. And I know regardless of what your response is going to be, I'm going to be okay. And I'm still a worthy human being. And I'm not going to allow anyone's response to mean anything negative about me and be decisive, right? I bet there is someone that you need to send a text to or some email that you need to send or some discussion that you need to have with a boss or a partner that you've been putting off for a while because you're waiting for the right moment or you're hoping it's going to sort itself out or you're just waiting until you feel better about it. But the thing is, is that the perfect moment is never going to arrive And the more that we think about it, the more that we get really confused and we start using this like mumble jumble words and we start to justify ourselves. So for example, talking to your boss and feeling like you need to ask them for time off, but you might be worried about asking them for time off. So you put it off and put it off and put it off. And in your head, you're thinking about all these different ways that you want to ask it. And then you write the text 10 times and then you just start justifying it and overdoing it and ETC, ETC, ETC. Be decisive. Write out the text when you need to write it out. 
whatever the first sentence that comes to mind is good. Don't You don't need to redo it over and over again because trust me, the first thing that you think about is normally going to be the best. Obviously, you can edit it and make sure it's grammatically correct and do it from a place when you're feeling relaxed rather than like in your anger and really, really fired up or whatever it might be. And then just send it. And you don't need to always justify it. You don't have to have like seven different reasons as to like why you want time off or 10 different justifications as to like, are you sure this is okay? I'm just checking, just make sure it's okay. Like be decisive, be clear. You can probably cut out like 50% of whatever the message is that you need to say and just speak it out loud and just know that regardless of what the response is gonna be, you are still okay. You are gonna be fine and you're still a worthy human being. So that's kind of one situation that we are scared in conflict and one kind of response that we have around avoiding conflict. But there might be another way that you also approach conflict as well. So maybe you developed the opposite coping mechanism when you were a child. And because people were yelling at you all the time, or maybe you had a really loud family, you also felt the need to compete for that attention. And so you developed this coping mechanism of being really loud. So you were like, oh, if everyone else is yelling, then I need to yell because otherwise I can't be heard and everyone else is going to get their needs met and I'm going to be left behind, which we know when we're thinking about childhood, you don't want to be left behind because then you won't have shelter and love and food and ETC. So one of the other coping mechanisms that you may have developed is being really loud whenever conflict comes up. And this used to be me big time because my family is quite a loud family. We can fight, we can yell at each other. And that's just the way that we manage things. And it was just, you know, when you're growing up, that's just how different families manage things in different ways. And that's totally fine. And everyone's doing the best that they can. But because I wasn't very self-aware that this was a habit and a coping mechanism that I used to have, I'd bring it into romantic relationships where whenever I felt like my needs weren't being met, I would unconsciously, I wasn't doing this consciously trying to yell at people for no reason, but very unconsciously because of this really deeply ingrained pattern that I had, I would yell at my partner or kind of put up this protest behavior every time I felt like my needs weren't being met or I felt like I wasn't getting attention or... I felt that like I was hurt or something like that. The reason that we do this, the reason that we yell like before, because I said maybe because you're, you've learned that from your family. But the reason why is because we get really defensive. And as a protective mechanism, we we protest, we yell, we try to get these people's attention. But anger is a secondary emotion. And so what that means is underneath anger, most of the time is feeling hurt or feeling sad or something like that. So what I had to learn through coaching, through therapy, through self-awareness and doing journaling and my own reading and my own self-study, like this has been a big journey for me, was that actually when I was feeling angry, yelling and trying to get my needs met that way may have felt good in the moment because it was kind of positioning me in a place of power, but it also meant that my needs were never being truly met because I was coming at it from such a forceful, angry way rather than sinking down into my body and actually feeling the vulnerability of what I needed in that moment. And that can feel really tricky at first because if you're someone like me that had learned to not be vulnerable and had learned to be really like dominant and, you know, like trying to get my point across all the time, it felt so exposing to be vulnerable. But when I practiced that, what actually happened? happened is I could then figure out what the need was underneath that anger and communicate it openly to my partner or whoever I was with trying to communicate, which meant that they would actually be able to meet my needs 
and not always, not always can someone meet your needs and your partner's not always going to be able to meet every single need that you ever have. However, it does put me in a better position to be able to actually clearly communicate what it is that I need rather than just like yelling at this person and trying to get my point across and forcing them into my way of thinking. So relationships are always going to have conflict within them. And it's just so important that we learn how to be able to manage it. And when we know how to manage it and when we are intentional about our energy behind it, that's when we can actually get our needs met and compromise. And sometimes we won't get our needs met. Sometimes we will explain something to someone or we'll put up a boundary and that person's response. This is super, super important to know that person's response to you does not mean anything about you. It does not mean that you were asking for too much. It doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with you or that you should have played smaller. That person's response, if they're not able to meet your needs, all it means for you is that that person is maybe not your person. And so it's a filtering system. Depersonalize people's response to you and just use it as a way to filter people out. Okay. This person can offer me this. This person can't offer me this. So I'm going to meet them where they're at. I'm going to make a compromise and meet in the middle rather than me just playing myself small and folding myself in and not speaking about anything. We also need to let go of this need to be right all the time and to have everything proved and to have the person that we're arguing with validate the way that we are feeling. Sometimes we have to learn to validate ourselves and to let things go and to compromise, meet in the middle. If they're if they're able to understand where you're coming from a little bit and you're also able to understand from their point of view, then that's all that you need because a need to have someone else validate the way that you are feeling or to prove prove that how you are thinking and your way of acting is right is coming from a place of insecurity because you're clearly not trusting yourself if you're outsourcing your validation to everyone else around you. So I hope that helped you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Peaceful Body Podcast. Let me know if you enjoy coming live and catching the recording on Instagram live as well, because I like doing that because obviously I can interact with you. Avi is saying, hello, gorgeous. Um, Brit asks, how do you break the the people pleasing cycle. Well, this in itself could be a literal whole peaceful body podcast episode because there are so many components to that, but I'm sure by listening to this episode, you will already have gotten some tips. But what I would say is firstly, in order to stop people pleasing all the time, we need to get in touch with what pleases us and giving yourself permission to please yourself without always pleasing everyone around you firstly. So getting to know yourself, self-awareness is always going to be the first step to creating any sort of positive change. And all of my clients will have heard that so many times because it's the way that we go in breaking any sort of habit and pleasing people, pleasing It's a habit and it's an identity, which means it's not with us for life and we can break that cycle and create a new identity. And at the end of the day, if you try to please everyone, you please no one because you're not pleasing yourself and it's impossible to please everyone else around you because you don't actually know what they're truly feeling. You can't control other people's emotions. We're not responsible for them and you can't control other people's habits. You can only control your own. So looking at it from this way that I'm about to explain has really, really helped me because if I am not pleased, if I do not feel my best self, then I'm not going to be able to offer my best self to other people, which means that I'm only going to be showing up half-hearted for them anyway. People pleasing, the people pleasing cycle. If you're someone that has been dealing with that for a really, really long time, I highly suggest you join one of my coaching programs because I 
talk through this at depth. It's not going to be something that you'll just listen to one podcast episode and it will all be cleared. It's something that needs a lot of techniques and tools to kind of get down to the root of it as well. Um, And it's a habit. So it needs to be broken and replaced with something else. All right. I hope you enjoyed this live. Thank you for everyone that joined me. I love seeing all of your faces on here and I will speak to you all soon. If you're interested in joining my eight-week empowered peace program, um, I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram and we can have a chat about whether you are a right fit for the program. And um, I will talk to you all soon. All right, bye.